Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. On now, with Warner Brothers' production of The Adventures of Rick Deckard, Blade Runner, starring Humphrey Bogart as Deckard, Lauren Bacall as Rachel, and Vincent Price as Roy. In the year 2019, the Earth is dying. Acid rain falls from the darkened sky. War, deforestation, and pollution have pushed most species of animals over the brink of extinction. The majority of those that still exist are created artificially. Humanity is getting out while it can. Government contracts and corporate incentives have lured away those fortunate ones whom, through money or influence or luck, have obtained exit visas and transit to the off-world colonies. Those left behind eke out what existence they can in what is left of the metropolitan centers of the world. Several years ago, the Tyrell Corporation advanced robot evolution into the Nexus phase, a being virtually identical to a human known as a replicant. Replicants are used off-world as slave labor in the hazardous exploration and colonization of other planets. After a bloody mutiny by a replicant combat team in an off-world colony some years ago, they were declared illegal on Earth under penalty of death. Special police squads, Blade Runner units, have orders to shoot to kill upon detection any trespassing replicant. This is not called execution. It is called retirement. My name is Deckard, Rick Deckard, license number B26354, issued by the Police Department of Los Angeles. Occupation, Blade Runner. Until recently, that is. It was a dark, cold November day in Los Angeles, and the rain was beating down hard. Little did I know I was about to get mixed up with a gang of homicidal replicants, a megalomaniac billionaire, and a dame with a secret she kept even from herself. It happened like this. By Pacific Coast time, it was only a quarter to three in the afternoon, but the dense cloud cover that was heavy over everything, like a huge, thick hand, said it could be midnight. I'd stopped off at the White Dragon, a diner around the corner from my flat in Hollywood, to get some lunch. An advertisement for off-world migration droned on in the background. New life awaits you in the off-world colonies. The chance to begin again in a golden land of opportunity and adventure. Imagine friends, a new climate, recreational facilities, and a fully equipped replicant given to you absolutely free upon your arrival. Use your new friend any way you see fit. It is a custom-tailored, genetically engineered humanoid replicant designed especially for your needs. So come on, America. Let's put our team up there in the greatest, boldest adventure ever conceived of by man. Let's go to the colonies. This announcement has been brought to you by the Chicago Dominguez Corporation, helping America into the new world. As I waited for my order, I thumbed through the L.A. Times looking for work. But they don't advertise for killers in the newspaper. That was my profession. Ex-cop, ex-blade runner, ex-killer. As I scanned the ads, there was a hard tap on my shoulder. I turned to see a greasy little guy in a trench coat with a brass-handled cane and a brick wall in a police uniform standing over me. The one in the trench spoke first. Mm, hey, Diwa. Monsieur Adana Klatu Angambite. What'd he say? He said you're under arrest, Mr. Deckard. You got the wrong guy, pal. Lofaz, Nehodimar, Te Vadia, Blade Runner. He says you're a Blade Runner. Tell him I'm eating. Captain Bryant Toka, Mini O Mayo. Bryant, huh? 
I paid the clerk and got my order to go. The three of us filed into a spinner, a type of aerodyne used by the LAPD. The car rose up through the traffic lanes that crisscrossed between the skyscrapers of Los Angeles, and we took off for downtown. The charmer's name was Gaff. He was half Japanese, half Chicano in his early 30s. He dressed too flashy for a cop, had a pencil-thin mustache and cold blue eyes. I'd seen him around. Bryant must have upped him to the Blade Runner unit. That gibberish he talked was city-speak, gutter talk, a mishmash of Japanese, Spanish, German, what have you. I didn't really need a translator. I knew the lingo. Every good cop did. But I wasn't going to make it any easier for him. Spinner A-12, authorized for final descent. Now on glide path, on course over the landing threshold. You are cleared for landing on pad 327. Bryant, the captain in charge of the LA City Blade Runner Division, was a short, pudgy man in his mid-fifties. He had a round bulldog face, and what was left of his hair was thin and white. He wore a white pinstripe shirt with stains that matched his brown tie. His office was just as I remembered. It was drab and musty with old files stacked about and the lingering smell of stale cigar smoke filling the air. Hiya, Duck. Listen, Bryant, you wanted to talk to me? Come see me yourself. Don't send one of those twerps. Ah, oh, sit down, pal. Come on, don't be a tough guy, Deckard. Look, you want a drink? Here you go. Now, I've got four skin jobs walking the streets, see? They jumped the shuttle off-world, killing the crew and passengers. They found the shuttle drifting off the coast two weeks ago, and we know they're around. Embarrassing. No, sir. Not embarrassing, because no one's ever going to find out they're down here. Because you're going to spot them, and you're going to air them out, see? I don't work here anymore. Give it to Dave Holden. He's good. I did. He can breathe okay now, as long as nobody unplugs him. He's not good enough. Not as good as you. I need you, Deck. This is a bad one, the worst yet. I need the old Blade Runner. I need your magic. I was quit when I came in here, Bryant, and I'm twice as quit now. Stop right where you are, pal. You know the score. If you're not cop, you're little people. Yeah. No choice, huh? No choice, pal. Come on, let's go down to the video evidence room. I'll show you some files on the four skin jobs in town. Okay, take a look at this, Deck. I already had an IQ test this year. I don't think I've ever had one of these. Reaction time is a factor in this, so please pay attention. Yeah, Answer sure. as quickly as you can. Sure. 1187 at Hunterwasser. Yeah, that's the hotel. What? Where I live. Nice place. Yeah, sure, I guess. It was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago, see? Five replicants, three male, two female. They slaughtered 23 people and jumped a shuttle. An aerial patrol spotted the ship off the coast in San Pedro. No crew. Probably they were tossed out of an airlock. Three nights ago, the skin jobs tried to break into Tyrell Corporation. One of them got fried running through an electrical field. We lost the others. On the possibility they might try to infiltrate Tyrell's employees, I had Holden go over and run Voight Kampf tests on the new workers. Looks like he got himself one. Oh, you look down. You see a tortoise. It's crawling toward you. A tortoise? What's that? Know what a turtle is? Of course. Same thing. I've never seen a turtle. But I understand what you mean. You reach down. You flip the tortoise over on its back, Leon. Do you write these questions, Mr. Holden? Or do they write them down for you? The tortoise lies on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, feeding its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't. Not without your help, but you're not helping. What do you mean I'm not helping? I mean you're not helping. Why is that, Leon? They're just questions, Leon. In answer to your query, they're written down for me. It's a test designed to provoke an emotional response. Shall we continue? Describe in single words only the good things that come into your mind about your mother. My mother? Let me tell you about my mother. End of line. 
Those shots went right through him and severed his spine. Yeesh. So what'll they risk coming back to Earth for? Well, you tell me, pal. That's what you're here for, see? Once we ID'd the body, the ones who got fried, we were able to match them to sales receipts for replicants sold to the colony where the shuttle was stolen from. We just received the data files for the other three missing skin jobs. Here you go. Next is six, Roy Batty. Incept date, 2015, combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. This is Zora. She's trained for off-world kick murder squad. Talk about Beauty and the Beast, she's both. Fourth skin job is Pris, basic pleasure model, the standard item for military clubs in the outer colonies. These new models are designed to copy human beings in every way except their emotions. But their designers reckon that after a few years they might develop their own emotional responses. You know, hate, love, fear, anger, envy. They built in a fail-safe device. Which is what? Four-year lifespan. Now Tyrell has a Nexus 6 over at his estate in Brentwood. Got him a special license for it. I want you to go to put the machine on it. I'll have Gaff take you out. I don't do babysitting, Doma. Keep the gunshell away from me. Easy, Dick. I need you on this one, which also means I don't want you to skip out on me, Doma. Fine, fine. He can tag along, but I won't promise I won't plug him, too. By the way, what happens if the machine doesn't work? The look on his face answered my question. This could get ugly. I'd quit because I'd had a belly full of killing, but then I'd rather be a killer than a victim. And that's exactly what Brian's threat about little people meant. So I hooked in once more. I didn't have to worry about Gaff. He was nosing for a promotion, so he didn't want me back anyway. Tyrell's estate was tucked away in the hills of Brentwood. It was a nice little front yard. Cozy, okay for the average family, only you'd need a compass to go to the mailbox. The house was all right too, though it wasn't as big as Buckingham Palace. In the surrounding hills was his private animal preserve, which made the Griffith Endangered Animal Park look like an old-time petting zoo. Gaff stayed behind with the spinner while I made my way up and rang the bell. The doors opened, and I was greeted by a tall, thin, silver-haired man, 60 or close to it, or a little past it. He had blue eyes, as remote as eyes could be. I introduced myself, and he showed me into the house through the rich, Egyptian-themed Art Deco interior and into the study. Dr. Tyrell will be with you shortly. He requests that you wait for him here, sir. It was like waiting in a mausoleum. I went to the large mahogany table at the far end of the room and started to unpack the machine when I noticed a large owl staring at me from the perch behind the desk. The windows were closed and the sunshine coming in through the Venetian blinds reflected in its eyes and they took on an almost supernatural red glow. Do you like our owl? I turned to see a sultry brunette in a skin-tight black dress. She was stretched out on a chaise lounge near the fireplace with her slippers on. She was worth a stare. She was tall and rangy and strong-looking. Her hair was worn up, showing off the sleek lines of her face, a face that was graced with dark, smoldering eyes and two of the most luscious ruby lips I've ever seen. Maybe this job wasn't so bad after all. I smiled and was about to introduce myself. You must be Officer Rick Deckard of the LAPD. Yeah, that's right. I'm here... To examine our Nexus 6. My name is Rachel Tyrell. Dr. Tyrell is my uncle. Look, just so you know, this isn't my idea. It seems that your department feels our work is not of benefit to the public. Listen, doll. Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, it's not my problem. But as a hazard, then you enter into the equation. I don't make the law, miss. I just enforce it. You know as well as I the risk to humans is considered far too high to allow them to exist unchecked on Earth. That law, Mr. Deckard, refers to an isolated incident almost 20 years ago involving outdated units. The Hyperdyne 82s were a bit twitchy. I'm here to ensure that there are no more 
isolated incidents, Ms. Terrell. May I ask you a personal question? Have you ever retired a human by mistake? No. But in your position, that is a risk. Is this to be an empathy test? Capillary dilation of a so-called blush response? Fluctuation of the pupil? Involuntary dilation of the iris? I turned to see an older man in his 60s into the room as the butler closed the doors behind them. He was dressed in an expensive-looking navy blue tailored suit. He wore thick, square-framed spectacles, and his hair was neat and trim. For his age, he moved like a man with very sound muscles. Mr. Deckard, my uncle, Dr. Eldon Tyrell. The test? We call it Voight-Kampf for short. Demonstrate it. I want to see it work. Where's the subject, your Nexus 6? I want to see it work on a person. I want to see a negative before I provide you with a positive. What's that going to prove? Replicants are the ones incapable of experiencing empathy, not humans. Indulge me. Fine. On you? Try her. It's too bright in here. Norris, draw the blinds. Very good, sir. Do you mind if I smoke? It won't affect the test. All right. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Just relax and answer them as simply as you can. It's your birthday. Someone gives you a calfskin wallet. I wouldn't accept it. Also, I'd report the person who gave it to me to the police. You've got a little boy. He shows you his butterfly collection, plus the killing jar. I'd take him to the doctor. You're watching television. Suddenly you realize there's a wasp crawling on your arm. I'd kill it. You're reading a magazine. You come across a full-page pinup of a girl. Just what exactly are you getting at, Mr. Decker? You show it to your husband. He likes it so much he hangs it on your bedroom wall. I wouldn't let him. Why not? I should be enough for him. I continued asking her questions for about an hour. After a while, I had the feeling they'd pulled one over on me. Would you step out for a few moments, Rachel? And you as well, Norris. Thank you. She's a replicant, isn't she? I'm impressed, Mr. Deckard. How many questions does it usually take to spot them? I don't get it, Tyrell. Are you trying to play me for the sap? How many questions? 20 or 30 cross-referenced. It took more than a hundred for Rachel, didn't it? She doesn't know. She's beginning to suspect, I think. Suspect? How can it not know what it is? Commerce is our goal at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. Rachel is an experiment, nothing more. We began to recognize them, them strange obsessions. After all, they are emotionally inexperienced and have only a few years in which to store up their experiences which you and I take for granted. If we give them the past, we create a cushion or pillow for their emotions, and consequently, we can control them better. Memories. You're talking about memories. Precisely, Mr. Decker. Tyrell went on about the details of Rachel's programming as I collected my scanner and left. I wasn't sure what to make of him. Genius or madman? It was already half past five in the PM, and visiting hours at St. Sebastian's Hospital ended at six, so I knew we'd be pushing it to make it across town in time. Gaff skidded to a halt in front of the entrance at about 10 till. I took my feet out of the floor panels and went into the critical care wing, flashed my badge, and asked the nurse behind the desk which room Holden was in. She was an old gray-haired crone with horn-rimmed glasses and her hair tied in a bun. Whoever said nurses were cute had obviously never been in this hospital. He's in room 1138, down the hall and to the right. I'll let you have five minutes, but then I toss you right out. Thanks, doll. Brian hadn't been kidding about Dave. He was in bad shape. They had him on his back. 
His neck was pinned and braced. He had a hole in his gut with lots of mechanical stuff filling in for organs that used to be there. I could see from the x-rays on the wall that his spine was severed in two places. He had a robotic arm holding a book over him so he could read. Heck, is that you? What are you doing here? Bryant reeled me back in. Oh, uh, what you reading? Chandler's The Long Goodbye. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, how do I look, huh? Pretty awful, huh? Nah, you look great. Absolutely terrific. Never saw you look better. The suit looks really nice. Uh, who's your tailor? Skin job put the smash on me, Deck. Wrecked me up. Look at me, for Christ's sake. You blew it, huh? It ain't like it used to be, Deck. It's tough now. These Nexus 6, they aren't just a bunch of muscle miners anymore. They're no different than you or me. So, what happened? Ten days ago, security at Tyrell Corp finds three intruders in the records room going through the incept date files. They chase them and one gets killed. The other two get away, okay? They do a routine autopsy on the one that got fried, and what do you know? A skin job. One of the ones that busted out. Top drawer, replicant combat type, Nexus 6. Pretty sexy, the sixes. Sexy? Three hours into the autopsy, they still think they're cutting up a human. No marks, nothing. I decided to check out all new employees at Tyrell. I grilled 26 boring jerks until in comes this guy, Leon somebody. Nothing special, but very big. So you void comp him? Yeah, yeah. Thought maybe I was getting some. Maybe it doesn't work on these ones, Deck. They're almost us. They're a disease. Game over, man. Game over. Take it easy. Just try and get some rest. All right, boys, time to go. Easy, sweetheart. Dave, take it easy. I'll get the wound on to put you in here. You always were the best, huh, Deck? Hey, do me a favor. See that button? Push it for me. Yeah, sure, pal. What's it for? Pain. I didn't know whether the address Leon had given Holden was legit or not, but it was the only lead I had, so Gaff and I checked it out. After a quick stop at a local diner, we had arrived at a quarter of eight at 1187 Hunterwasser, the site of the old Yukon Hotel. We entered, flashed some tin at the desk jockey, and the manager showed us up to Leon's room. Well, here you go, boys. Now, I haven't touched a thing. Not a thing. When was the last time you saw Mr. Kowalski? I haven't seen him for two days now. I'll be. He sure left this place in a mess. You know, the other guests had complained a lot about the noise. Seems he had a lot of company. Say, boys, if you do find him, you can tell him he ain't getting his deposit back. Okay, thanks. We'll uh, let you know when we're done. Right. The place was about as small as a public bid phone booth and not quite as clean. Gaff went to check out the bathroom while I started going through the desk. Leon's mental rating was only a C, yet he had quite a collection of scientific journals and news clippings. Many of the pages had been earmarked and text was underlined as though he was looking for something. There was also a page out of a phone book. It was listings of a local Gentech. One of them was circled. Hannibal Chu's Eyeworks, 6311 North Sunset in Hollywood. I noticed something else at the bottom of one of the drawers, an envelope of photos. I'd never seen a replicant keep photos like this before. They were of Leon, and if I didn't know better, I'd say what looked like his family. Hey, Aisol. Barada Koshita Nangub Baktub. Something in the bathtub? Let me see that. Hmm. All right, come on, Gaff. Let's go pay a visit to one Mr. Hannibal Chu. We arrived a little after 8.30. The rain was threatening to start up again. We entered the shop and found the front desk unmanned. As we made our way to the back, we saw why. There, behind the counter, was the clerk, broken in half, and backwards. He was dead. Gaff and I drew our guns and proceeded in with caution. We could hear voices coming from the back. 
Machine, finish your tour. Come on, it came from the back room. What am I? Dear God, he's been twisted like a pretzel. Look, they went out the back door to the alley. Gaff, go see which way they went. Mr. Chu, can you hear me? What happened? They were here. Who? Who was here, Mr. Chu? Stay with me. He, he, he asked. I, I don't know. Nexus, Nexus 6. I, I designed his eyes. I saw my lab, my eyes. I am data. He asked questions. I don't have answers to such things. He, he knew everything. He, he tends I, he take them. Sebastian. Sebastian. What? Oh, man, what do you mean? Mr. Chu. He was dead. Bargain skin jobs. Quite sure, Henry and Dodi Fang. They got away, huh? Being a Blade Runner meant that you traveled with death side by side. But seeing the old man take the big one brought back all the reasons why I had quit. After the coroner came down to collect the bodies, I had Gaff drop me off at home. Images of Rachel and of Holden and Mr. Chu and through my mind. I entered my flat on the 97th floor of the Hobart Arms, dropped my coat next to the rack, pulled down the Murphy bed, switched on the radio, and poured myself a drink. It had been a long, hard day, and I'd been sober for far too much of it. I wanted to see you, so I waited. How'd you get in here? I showed the manager your card. I stole it from my uncle. I don't know why he told you what he did. Talk to him. He wouldn't see me. You think I'm a replicant, don't you? Look at this photo. It's me with my mother. Yeah. Remember when you were six? Your brother snuck into an empty building through a basement window. When it got to be your turn, you chickened and ran. Remember that? You ever tell anybody that? Your mother? Tyrell? Anybody? You remember the spider that lived in a bush outside your window? Orange body, green legs? You watched her build a web all summer, then one day there was a big egg in it. The egg hatched. The egg hatched, and a hundred baby spiders came out, and they ate her. Implants. Those aren't your memories. They're somebody else's. They're Tyrell's nieces. Okay. Bad joke. I made a bad joke. You're not a replicant. Look, go home, doll, okay? No, that's not true. That's impossible. She threw her photo at me and ran out crying. Tyrell had really done a number on Rachel, right down to a snapshot of a mother she never had, a daughter she never was. I felt sorry for her. Replicants weren't supposed to have feelings. Neither were Blade Runners. What was happening to me? I didn't need this. I needed a drink, I needed a vacation, I needed a ticket off world. What I had was a coat, a hat, and a gun. And that stack of photographs from Leon's hotel room. I didn't know why a replicant would collect photos, but maybe they were like Rachel. They needed memories. I fed the photos into my Esper 3D photo scanner. After searching a few photographs, I hit Pater. Inside of a reflection in the mirror, I found a woman sleeping in a chair. It was Zora. She had a tattoo of a cobra on her left cheek. I printed out a hard copy of the image and decided to find out what kind of scale Gaff had found in Leon's tub. At about 11.30, I went down to Hollywood Boulevard and hailed a cab. 
The driver was a cute little brunette. She looked to be in her early 20s. Her hair was in curls and was worn down over her shoulders. She was wearing the uniform of the cab company. It looked as though it was at least a size too small in all the right places. Where's you, buddy? Downtown, Animoid Row. You got it. Here you are, Mac. Thanks. Here you go, sugar. Buy yourself a cigar. If uh, you could use me again sometime, here's my card. Give me a call. Day and night? Day's better. I work during the night. Animoid Row is, for all the high-tech genetic engineering that takes place there, a filthy little sector in downtown L.A. Storefronts are populated by a plethora of genetic copies of species of animals long since extinct. I made my way to one of the many gen techs and had her scan the scale to find out what type of animal it was and who made it. I think it was manufactured locally. Finest quality, superior workmanship. There is a make of serial number. 99069-07X slash B71. Interesting. Not fish. Snake scale. Snake? Try Abdul Ben Hassan. He make this snake down the street on the left. Reptile shop. Abdul Hassan? Police. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Artificial snake license XB71. That's you. This is your work, huh? Ah. Python Molurus vivitatus, the Burmese python. Such as that one there with the dark brown and tan body. Who did you sell it to? Ah, uh, my work. Not too many could afford such quality. How many? Very few. How few? Look, pal, you're gonna give me a straight answer, or do I have to take you downtown and beat it out of you? Oh, my goodness. In that case, I think I will be obliged to tell you. Taffy Lewis, he owns the snake pit down in Fourth Sector, Chinatown. Chinatown was nothing but a breeding ground for tranks, lobos, and zip heads, and they all came to the snake pit. It was a nightclub where people would try and forget their problems and remember Earth as it was. Bartender, Taffy Lewis around? Yes, sir, right over there, sir. Taffy Lewis, my name is Deckard, LAPD. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Is there some place we could talk in private? Mm, but of course, anything for an officer of the law. Follow me. Taffy looked to be in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over. Well-dressed, affected an air of refinement, yet hadn't any. He led me through the crowd, up a flight of stairs, and into a large, well-furnished office. Well, sir, what may I do for you, sir? Would you care for a brandy? All right. And how do you like your brandy, sir? In a glass. <laughs> Say when. We begin well, sir. I distrust a man who says when. If he's got to be careful when he drinks, it's because he's not to be trusted when he does. Well, sir, here's to plain speaking and clear understanding. I took my drink. He sat behind his desk. As I sipped at the brandy, I went over to a large window that looked out over the dance floor and the main stage. 
You're a closed-mouthed man. No, I like to talk. <laughs> better and better. I distrust a closed-mouthed man. He generally picks the wrong time to talk and says the wrong things. Talking something you can't do judiciously unless you keep in practice. Now, sir, we'll talk if you like. I'll tell you right now, I'm a man who likes talking to a man who likes to talk. Swell. Let's talk about the Egyptian. You ever buy snakes from the Egyptian, Taffy? <laughs> You're a man for me, sir. No beating around the bush, right to the point. Let's talk about the Egyptian by all means. I can't say I've ever purchased from him. Mm-hmm. You ever seen this girl in this photo? No, sir, I can't say that I have. But as you can most plainly see, quite a few ripe young girls come through my doors. You can't expect me to remember them all now, can you? Your license is in order, pal. <laughs> you are quite a character, I must say. They are in order, sir, quite, but check them yourself if you so desire. In the meantime, I have business to attend to, but please feel free to stay and avail yourself of the pleasures you see before you. I knew Taffy was lying, so I decided to hang. As I sat at the bar downing my third shot of tequila, I took Rachel's photo out of my pocket and had another look. Cute kid. I turned it over and saw that she'd left her number on the back. I made my way over to the vid phone and gave her a call. It probably wasn't the best decision to have made. Hello? I've had people walk out on me before, but not when I was being so charming. I'm at a bar here now, down at the fourth sector. Taffy Lewis is on the line. Why don't you come down here and have a drink? I don't think so, Mr. Deckard. That's not my kind of a place. Then we'll go someplace else. Definitely not the best decision to have made. I found my way back to the bar, took a seat next to a couple of kink tarts, and ordered another drink. Ladies and gentlemen, Damon and Hera, Taffy Lewis is proud to present our newest star. The silky voice, the exotic curves, the lovely Miss Salome. It was her, it was Zora, and who'd have figured her as a canary? joys we had tasted and now when I hear 
As the crowd settled for the next act, I made my way backstage and waited outside her dressing room. I tipped the brim of my hat up, put on my horn-rimmed sunglasses, and put my voice high and let a bird twitter in it. As she passed by, I caught a whiff of her perfume. She smelled the way the Taj Mahal looks by moonlight. Excuse me, Miss uh, Salome, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm from the American Federation of Variety Artists. Oh, yeah. I'm not here to make you join. No, no ma'am, that's not my department. Actually, I'm from the uh, Confidential Committee on Moral Abuses. Committee of Moral Abuses? Yes, ma'am. There's been some reports that the management has been taking liberties with the artists in this place. Have you felt yourself to be, well, exploited in any way? Perhaps I know what you mean. Well, like to get this job, I mean, did you do or, or, or were you asked to do anything that's lewd or un unsavory or otherwise um, repulsive to your person? Are you for real? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I'd like to check your dressing room, if I may. For what? For, uh, for holes. Holes? Well, yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised what a guy'd go through to, to get a glimpse of a beautiful body. No, I wouldn't. If you wait till I put something on, I'll be right out. Oh, oh, by all means. Yeah, um, the dirty, dirty holes. They, uh, they drill them in the wall so they can watch. Say, uh, is this a real python? Of course it's not real. Do you think I'd be working in a place like this if I could afford a real snake? So if, uh, somebody does try to exploit me, who do I go to about it? Uh, me? You're a dedicated man. <laughs> Putting a joke on a guy from behind is not very ladylike. You're not gonna flip me off, copper. She held me up, strangling me with my tie. Just as the lights were about to dim out forever, some of the other dancers came in. What the? Salome? She let me go and ran out past the girls. I got to my feet and ran after her. She was already halfway up the block by the time I got out the back door. I followed, chasing her through the crowded streets of Chinatown. She ran past the red car trains and came to a stop at Main Street. I followed, but lost her in the crowd of departing commuters. I saw her again on the other side of the street, but Trafficator redirected the flow of nearby pedestrians and blocked my path. Cross now, cross now, don't She was gone. I'd lost her. As I ran across the street, a truck skidded to a stop inches from my face. Hey! 
where you're going, Bob. I ran down the street, looking in the shop windows. I spotted her inside a clothing arcade, and I ran in, gun drawn. <laughs> Move, get out of the way! She ran for the back of the store. I buried three slugs in her back. <laughs> her body fell to the ground. It was over. She was dead. The bricks showed up instantly. Lower your weapon. Come on, come on, come on. Don't move, pal. Don't even breathe. Let's see some ID. Name's Deckard. License number B26354. I'm a cop. Just a sec. All right, that checks out. Here you go. Hey, good work, pal. One less skin job on the street, huh? Have a better one. I'd had it. All I wanted to do was get really drunk and forget the whole thing. I left the body to the officers and went down the street to a liquor store and bought a bottle of scotch. When I stepped back out into the night, I was frozen by the sight of Zora's lifeless body being loaded into the coroner's wagon. The report would be routine retirement of a replicant, which didn't make me feel any better about shooting a woman in the back. There it was again, feeling in myself, feeling for Rachel. I started to shake when all of a sudden somebody cracked something over my shoulder. It had the sharp sting of a brass-handled cane. Bryant. Gaff led me over to a spinner where Bryant was waiting. Christ, Deckard, you look almost as bad as that skin job you left on the sidewalk. I'm going home. You could learn a thing or two from this guy, Gaff. He's a fracking one-man slaughterhouse, that's what he is. Well, four more to go. Come on, Gaff, let's go. Three. Three more to go. There's four. That skin job you VK'd at Tyrell's estate, Rachel, disappeared. Vanished. Didn't even know she was a replicant. Something to do with brain implants, says Tyrell. Come on, Gaff. Drink some for me, huh, pal? As a spinner took off, I spotted Rachel across the street and went after her. When all of a sudden, I was jerked into a dark alley. Come here, use. An 800-pound gorilla made up to look like a man held my arms pinned behind me and carried me down the alley. The boss wants to see you. Leon. You killed her. You killed Zora. She was mine. Didn't know you were dizzy for the day. Ah, uh, wise guy, huh? Now, now, Leon. That's no way to treat someone who is about to die. And you are going to die, Mr. Deckard. Standing under a light post, waiting for us, was Roy Batty. He was tall and blonde with a chiseled, muscular frame. The harsh, angular features of his face reflected a cold and calculating intellect. Batty. You've heard of me. I cannot help but be touched. I, of course, have heard of you. Quite a reputation you have. I must admit, I'm actually impressed that you managed to find Zora, let alone kill her. Though, it was not a very private place for a murder. What are you getting at? Surely I have made my meaning plain. I intend to deprive you of your life. But I wanted you to know first whom it was who had beaten you. Swell. You planning on talking me to death? Charming to the last. What a fitting end to your life's pursuits. You're about to be retired by the very replicants you would have killed. Very well. Leon, dispose of them. Sure thing, boss. Batty walked past us and down the alley. Once he was gone from view, Leon tossed me against the garbage bin. I want my pictures. They're mine and you stole them from me. 
Sure, Leon, I've got your pictures. I've got them right here in my jacket. Get them here. I reached into my coat like I was going for something in my pocket, but instead drew my gun. He was too fast and smacked it out of my hand and down the alley before I could fire. He grabbed hold of my collar and lifted me off the ground. What do you think I am, dumb or something? You said it, pal, not me. Painful to live in fear, isn't it? Nothing is worse than having an itch you can never scratch. Oh, I agree. I was a rag doll in his grip. He threw me back and forth into the garbage bins and then into the windshield of an abandoned car. Time to die. A slug went through Leon's head. His lifeless hulk collapsed on top of me. As I pushed him off, I looked up and saw that Rachel had my gun. She'd fired the shot that saved my life. I hailed a cab and took her back to my apartment. I didn't thank you for what you did back there. You look good, awful good. Hold me, Rick. Sure, baby. Still shaking? What's the matter? You weren't worried about me, were you? Afraid I'd get hurt? When did you first begin to feel that way about me? So you want a drink? Sure. I could use one, too. I get the shakes. Bad. It's part of the business. I'm not in the business. I am the business. What if I go north? Disappear? Would you come after me? Hunt me? No. No, I wouldn't. I owe you one, but somebody would. Deckard, you know those files on me? The incept date? The longevity? Those things? You saw them. They're, uh, classified. But you're a policeman. I didn't look at them. You know that Voigt-Kampf test of yours? Did you ever take that yourself? I sat down on the couch and started to dress my wounds. I felt like an amputated leg. Deckard? Here, let me help you with that. Uh, wait, I don't need any help. Please, Rachel, I don't need a nurse. Don't be such a baby. Uh, go away, Rachel. Leave me alone. What's your problem? Does this hurt? Yes, it hurts. Ow! Well, blast it, Rick. Where doesn't it hurt? Here. My elbow. Here. Your forehead? Then take off your hat. Under my eye isn't so bad. And here? I pointed to my lips, and she planted one on, but good. I must have nodded off, because the next sound I heard was my piano. I went to it and found Rachel at the keys. I didn't know if I could play. I dreamt music. I remember lessons. I don't know if it was me or Tyrell's niece. You play beautifully. Do you love me? I don't care who loves who. How can you say that, Rick? All dames are alike. 
They reach down your throat and they grab your heart, pull it out, throw it on the floor, step on it with their high heels, spit on it, shove it in the oven, and cook the new fen out of it. Then they slice it into little pieces, slam it on a hunk of toast, and serve it to you, and then expect you to say, thanks, honey, it was delicious. Who was the girl? What girl? The one who gave you such a high opinion of women. Listen, this won't do any good. You'll never understand me, but I'll try once and then give it up. It's bad business to fall in love with a replicant. Bad all around, bad for every Blade Runner everywhere. You don't expect me to think that any of these things you're saying? Wait till I'm through, and then you can talk. I have no earthly reason to think that I can trust the bricks to let us go, and if I do this and get away with it, I'll be running for the rest of my life, not to mention I'll have blown any shot ever being able to get off this miserable, kippalized rock. All those are on one side. Maybe some of them are unimportant. I won't argue about that, but look at the number of them. And what have we got on the other side? All we've got is that maybe you love me, and maybe I love you. You know whether you love me or not? Maybe I do, but if all of these things don't mean anything to you, then forget it. We'll make it just this. I won't, because all of me wants to, regardless of consequences. You know what you sound like, Rick? You sound like a man trying to convince himself of something he doesn't believe in his heart. I want you, Angel. I want you more than I've ever wanted anything in my whole life. I want to be able to feel again. I wish you'd show it. And that should be easy enough. I like that. I'd like more. That's even better. It's better when you help. I guess I'm in love with you, Rick. Yeah, well, I guess I'm in love with you too, precious. At 2.30 in the morning, the phone rang. It was Brian. Jack, Eldon Thorell has been murdered in his own bed along with the house staff. Your skin job cacked him last night. You better get down here. Sure thing, I'll be right down. I dressed, and as I was leaving the apartment, I saw that Rachel had left a note. You don't have to act with me, Rick. You don't have to do anything. And you don't have to say anything. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Rick? You just put your lips together and blow. There will be time for that later, so I hopped a cab over to Terrell's estate. I arrived just after three in the morning. The homicide boys were crawling all over the place. The dead were shrouded in plastic sheets. Bodies were scattered all over the house. And Garfield, get me one of those cherry cheese danishes too, please, will ya? Oh, hi, Deck, watch your step. Tyrell's body is right over here. Thought you might want to have a look. It's not pretty. His skull was crushed. How'd he do it? How'd Roy get past security? Looks like he had help. Take a look at this. Surveillance camera from his study. Bishop the King's servant. Checkmate, I think. Having quite a brainstorm, Sebastian. Milk and cookies keeping you awake? Let's discuss this. You'd better come up. Sebastian? That's who the old man Chu was talking about. He's the one that would have had access to Terrell. Dr. Terrell, I brought a friend. I'm surprised you didn't come here sooner. It's not an easy thing to meet your maker. And what can he do for you? Can the maker repair what he makes? Would you like to be modified? I 
had in mind something a little more radical. Well, what seems to be the problem? Death. Death. Well, I'm afraid that's a little out of my jurisdiction. I, I want more life, Father. The facts of life. To make an alteration in the involvement of an organic life system is fatal. A coding sequence cannot be revised once it's been established. There it was, the reason Roy had come back to Earth and the reason he was willing to risk retirement. He knew his number was up and soon he'd be taking the big sleep. But this, all this is academic. You were made as well as we could make you. But not to last. The light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And you have burned so very, very brightly, Roy. Look at you. You're the prodigal son. You're quite the prize. I've done questionable things. Also extraordinary things. Revel in your time. Nothing the god of biomechanics wouldn't let you into heaven for. Goodbye, father. Roy, what are you? <laughs> Well, you know how it ended. Uh, yeah. Listen, Deck, this is bad, bad for the department. DA is breathing down my neck on this one. You find this baddie, find him fast, and air him out. I left Tyrell's and got a lift back into town with Gaff. He dropped me off my apartment. It was raining again, but I didn't feel like going in. I decided to walk down to the White Dragon. Out of one of the alleys came a burst of fear in a leather jacket. Help me, Rick. Help me. Do something. You must help me. Sebastian. He's a madman. He killed Dr. Terrell. And he'll kill me, too. Hold on, pal. Calm down. Now, start from the top. Okay. My name's Sebastian. J.F. Sebastian. I'm a genetic designer. I work for the Tyrell Corporation. Gentech. What kept you on Earth? Uh, Methuselah syndrome. My glands, they grew all too fast. I'm only 26, you know. That's why I couldn't pass the medical. It's okay, I kind of like it here. How did you get mixed up in this? Well, two nights ago, I found a beautiful young lady asleep on the front stoop of my building. She needed a place to stay, plus she needed to meet up with her friends. Chris. Yeah. And Batty? Well, he showed up the next evening looking for the girl. Their friends had been murdered. He said you had killed her. He... he talked me into taking him to see Dr. Terrell. I was scared, so I did. I took him. Oh, I had no idea he would kill him. I, I got scared. I ran away. Oh, Rick, he'll be waiting for me. I have to get back before he starts to get suspicious. All right. Where do you live? Uh, Ninth Sector. Bradbury Apartments. It's the penthouse with all the toys. I don't get much company, so I make friends. Well, they're toys. My friends are toys. I make them. It's kind of a hobby. Okay. Get going. I'll be right behind you. Okay, hurry. The kid took off in a cab, and I ran to the White Dragon and used the vid phone in the back. Hello? Rachel, I've got some bad news. Eldon Terrell has been murdered. Oh, my, oh, Rick. I... I don't know what to think or feel. I don't know what's right any longer. You'll have to do the thinking for both of us. All right, I will. You got a place to stay till I can come get you? I could check into a hotel. You have any cash on you? Enough for a room? No, but I could get some. No good. You need to stay off the grid till all this blows over. Tell you what, 
Use my place, show the manager my card again. Stay there and stay out of sight. What about you, Rick? I have something I have to finish. I stepped outside. The streets were dark with something more than night. I flagged down a cab and headed off for the ninth sector. The cabbie dropped me off at 4.30 in the a.m. outside of the Bradbury. It was abandoned, except for a light coming from one of the penthouse suites. I drew my gun, entered carefully. Water leaked from the pipes and made the tile flooring slippery to walk on. The conversation coming from upstairs echoed through the empty building. some breakfast. I was just going to make some. Why are you staring at us, Sebastian? Well, because, well, you're, you're so different. You're so perfect. We are not computers, Sebastian. We're physical. Light spilled out from a room at the end of the hall. I moved quietly towards it. Mechanical toys and dolls were scattered all over the place. I slipped into the next room and I peered through a cracked door. They were all three there, but Roy was keeping just out of my view. Chris, the other female replicant, was sitting next to J.F. She was stunning. I could see why the kid had fallen for her charms. I sat and waited for a clear shot at Roy. The minutes crept by on tiptoe with their fingers to their lips. I don't know much about biomechanics, Roy. Oh, I wish I did. Pris hasn't got long to live. Neither have you. We need you, Sebastian. I don't think there's another human being in the whole world who would have helped us. Yes, we're so happy you found us. I heard footsteps behind me and turned to see two of the toys had noticed me. One was a skinny little bear, the other a big, fat army general. Home again, home again, jiggity-jig. Good evening. Shh, button it. See, I told you he wasn't JF. Well, I didn't know, Ollie. From behind, I thought... I mean it, shut up or I'll smash the both of you. Well, this is another fine mess you've gotten me into. <laughs> What was that? I, I didn't hear anything. You fool. You brought the police here, didn't you? Ah. Help me, Rick. He's got me. Deckard, how long have you been hiding in the shadows? Come out if you dare. Help me, Rick. Jeff, what have you done? You stupid little chicken head. No, I... Chris, I, I did this so we could be together. Shut up, Sebastian. You fat, bloated, yingashu, yingashu. Sebastian, you are our best and only friend, but I could never be with someone like you. Batty, drop the kid. Don't you dare speak to him like that. Who do you think you are? This, my dear, is the man who butchered our friends. Enough of this. Let the kid go or I'll pump you full of lead. No! The girl charged for me. I swung and I plugged her through the heart. <laughs> her body landed hard against the wall. Chris, no! He threw J.F. across the room, smashing a lamp in the process, plunging the room into darkness. Not very sporting to fire on an unarmed opponent. I thought he was supposed to be good. Aren't you the good man? Come on, Deckard. I felt him come up behind me and grabbed onto my right hand. He forced me down face first to the floor, pinned me and held my arms behind my back, prying the gun from my hand. Proud of yourself, little man? This is for Zora. Ah, my finger! There's 215 bones in the human body. This one ah. is for Chris. 
Now, you can have your precious gun back. Come on, Deckard, I'm right here, but you've got to shoot straight. Straight doesn't seem to be good enough. Now it's my turn. I'm going to give you a few seconds before I come. One, two, three. I found my way into the adjacent bedroom and tore some fabric off my handkerchief. I bent my fingers back into place and tied them with the strips. I'm coming. Four, five. How to stay alive. I ran into the bathroom. Dead end. The door to the next room was locked. I could hear him getting closer. There was no way out. I wasn't sure if he knew where I was hiding. He was made to be the perfect hunter. Now I was his prey. I tried to make as little sound as possible. Suddenly, his head burst through the tile wall. I can see you. You'd better get up or I'm going to have to kill you. Unless you're alive, you can't play. And if you don't play... He pulled his head back through the hole and used the door to enter the room. I found a lead pipe and slammed it into his head a few times. Yes, that's the spirit. I left him sitting in the tub and crawled through a broken window to the ledge outside. As I did, my gun slipped from my grasp. Outside, the rain was pouring down hard. The stone was slippery. I climbed up the side of the building and onto the roof. He was waiting for me. He looked like hell, cut and bloody. That hurt. That was irrational, not to mention unsportsmanlike. I turned and ran for the roof of the next building. <laughs> Where did you go? Put everything I had left into the jump and missed. My body slammed hard against the building. I clung onto the ledge for my life and tried to climb up but slipped. As I caught the edge of a metal bar that jutted out from the roof, I saw Roy jump easily over my head. He came to the edge, and he watched me. The expression he wore was one of his own. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? That's what it is to be a slave. The metal was wet, and I, I lost the grip of one hand. I knew that I couldn't hang on much longer, not just to the ledge, but also to consciousness. Just as I started to take the final plunge, he reached out and he caught my wrist. He pulled me up onto the roof and tossed me down into the cold, wet cement. I sat there, staring up at him. He was pale. It wouldn't be long now. He sat down across from me, stared me down hard. The rain was streaming down his face, but I could tell he was crying. A man is the sum of his memories. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Iran. I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark near Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. Time to die. I may never know why he saved my life. Maybe in those last moments he loved life more than he ever had before. Not just his life, anybody's life, my life. Maybe in the moments before his death he somehow transcended his programming to become human, to experience empathy. In the end, all he'd wanted were the same answers the rest of us want. Where did I come from? Where am I going? How long have I got? All I could do was sit there and watch as his clock finally 
ran out. I could hear the sounds, but I was too exhausted to see who landed the spinner on the roof of the Bradbury. You've done a man's job, sir. That kid, Sebastian, looks like he'll be just Nikto. Got the wind knocked out of him is all. I guess you're through, huh? Finished. Well, here's your piece. Found it next door. That girl, Rachel, it's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? Gaff got back into the spinner and took off. I got to my feet, made my way down to the corner, hailed a cab into Hollywood and back to the Hobart Arms. I didn't know what I would find, but there on the sofa was Rachel. She'd fallen asleep. Rachel, wake up. Rick? Oh, I was so worried you wouldn't return. After what you said last night, I... Last night we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. Do you trust me? I trust you. Look, Rachel, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of two little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Do you have any idea what you have to look forward to if you stay with me? We'd be constantly running from the cops. Nine chances out of ten, we'll both end up with warrants out for our deaths. Rick, it doesn't matter. I'll go with you anywhere, and I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you, she said. And she never did. Gaff had been there and let her live. Four years, he figured. He was wrong. Tyrell had told me Rachel was special. No termination date. I didn't know how long we had together. Then again, who does? Friday night, we bring to our stage a comedy of time travel and paradox. Paramount Pictures presents the irrepressible Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis in Frank Capra's Back to the Future. Jerry, as young student Marty McFly, joins Dean's time machine inventing mentor Dr. Emmett Brown, as they try to iron out a wrinkle in history without destroying the future with hilarious results. With Jerry's craziness and Dean's crooning, you can be sure you won't want to miss a moment of the chronological chaos. So until then, this is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night from Hollywood. Lever Brothers, makers of Lux Flakes, invites you to be with us next Friday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin in Frank Capra's production of Back to the Future. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall will next be seen together in John Huston's Key Largo from Warner Brothers. Vincent Price is currently starring with Gene Kelly in The Three Musketeers from MGM. Heard in our cast tonight were Sean Crosby, 
Colleen Crosby. Michael Reed. Ian Fagan. Colleen Kennedy. Pat Mannion. Richard Foss. And Amy Calcote. Our music was produced by Morgan Jock. Sound design by David Milano, Wendy Newton, and Scott Martin. Our broadcast engineer is Rizwan Kasim. Theatrical lighting by Charles Hoff. Publicity photography by Jen Cleary. And staging by Lawrence Green. This program is broadcast to our men and women overseas through the courtesy of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is your announcer, Sean Crosby, reminding you to tune in next Friday to Lux Radio Theater and wishing you good night from Hollywood. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.